Chapter 12, A Good Advertisement It was wrong of me to cut the tree down without your permission, and I'd like to pay you for it, Harold informed his neighbour. Harold, don't worry about payment. Take whatever you need. In fact, you're welcome to cut the rest out and take the lot. You are very kind and I'm sorry for not asking you beforehand, Harold responded. Don't mention it and I'm glad to have met you. After talking with his neighbour for a while, Harold walked home. Harold's house outside St Arnold was on several acres which had two dams but no trees. The adjoining property was about 100 acres and it was full of ringed bark trees. Needing firewood, Harold chopped a dead tree down just inside his neighbour's property. Conscience smitten, Harold tracked down the owner who lived elsewhere to make things right with him. The property had a farmhouse, big stables, a buggy, hens and a cow. Before the family moved into the farmhouse, Harold, Stanford and Eric splashed scalding water over the inside of the unlined walls to kill bugs and fleas. These insects were a common problem in the colder areas of Australia. Harold had to deal with the problem constantly. Harold conducted a mission in St Arnold in the latter half of 1925. One of the new converts from the mission went with the family to the Victoria-Tasmania camp meeting and 38th conference session that was being held in the Melbourne showgrounds, January 12 to 25, 1926. At the camp, Harold was asked to relocate to Warwicknabeel to the northwest of St Arnold. Walter Batty was asked to assist Harold again with Sister McDowell to join them as soon as she could. Harold found a house on the edge of town and the mission commenced on March 7 with more than 70 in attendance. On one Sunday night, about a month after commencement, there were about 200 in attendance. Often the midweek attendance was 60 to 70. In June, Harold reported that six people had decided to keep the Sabbath and many more were under conviction. This was in spite of fierce local opposition. Anne also faced challenges. Pregnant with her seventh child, Warwick Nabil was noted for dust storms. One day, looking at the sky, she called to Raymond, Quick, come inside, there's a dust storm coming. The cloud of dust obscured the sun and gave an eerie appearance to the sky. Visibility was reduced dramatically. Despite Anne's efforts, dust managed to get into the house and settle on flat surfaces, furniture, bedding and clothes. It seemed to be everywhere. After the storm, Anne and the girls cleaned the house. There were several dust storms that year. One day, Walter Batty and Harold were driving in the country and they came across a man whose car was badly bogged. They got out of their car and went over to see if they could help. To their surprise, they discovered that the man who owned the bogged car was none other than the fiercest opponent of the mission in Warwick Nabil. He preached against the mission and warned his members not to attend or to provide financial support. Walter and Harold helped to pull the car out of the bog for the grateful minister. Later, it was reported that he had said, that's one good thing they've done. The opposition experienced by Harold and Walter from the local clergy had its effect, however, and the large attendances of the first two months of the mission did not translate into the hoped-for results. In July, the situation had not changed appreciably. Six people were worshipping with the mission each Sabbath, and a few others were continuing to show interest. In September, Harold attended the 12th Australasian Union Conference Session at the Sydney Showgrounds 
as a delegate for the Victoria Tasmania Conference. At the opening of the eighth meeting of the session, held on September 20, Harold led in earnest prayer for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the meeting and that the indwelling of the Holy Spirit would be experienced in the hearts of all assembled, including those who were not in attendance but who had been praying for the meetings of the session. On January 13, 1927, Anne gave birth to John Maxwell Knightley. John, who was soon known as Jack, was Anne and Harold's seventh and last child. Harold was now 49 and Anne was 38. Laura, at 18, helped her mother care for Jack as she had done for Raymond and Phyllis. Winifred was working for a family in Warwick, Nabeel and was living away from home. The annual camp meeting for the Victorian Conference was held at the Melbourne Showgrounds, January 18 to 28. Harold attended the camp meeting was asked to go to Horsham, about 35 miles to the south of Warwick, Nabeel, and conduct a tent mission there. Harold was to be assisted by brother Max Grollemond and nurse Florence Grollemond. On the last Sabbath afternoon of the camp, Pastor Andrew Stewart, Victorian missionary to the South Pacific, gave an inspiring talk on the many instances of transformation of life that he had witnessed among native believers. An opportunity was given for those present to give free will offerings and pledges to help support mission work in the South Pacific. 820 pounds were given in cash and pledges, an enormous sum when translated into today's currency. A motor car and a case of jewellery were also given. The jewellery was donated by Harold and Anne. Harold inherited the jewellery, the value of which was considerable and probably in the order of several hundred pounds. Both he and Anne believed that the needs of foreign missions were so great that the jewellery should be donated for these purposes. Harold took seriously the biblical injunction that the Christian should lay up treasures in heaven. Self-sacrifice was both a spiritual obligation and a way of life for him. Always watching out for the interests of the poor and needy, Harold looked upon the value of souls as inestimable and worthy of every sacrifice on his part. The donation of the jewellery was consistent with the higher values that drove his life and ministry. On the last Sunday morning of the camp meeting, in a submerged font at the rear of the auditorium, Harold baptised 21 candidates. In this group were new converts from the missions held the previous year in Camperdown, Warwick Nabeel and Benalla, and some who had taken their stand for the first time at the camp meeting. After the camp meeting, Harold returned home and began packing. He went ahead to Horsham to find a house and to lay the linoleum. He found a little weatherboard cottage in Warunna Road on the edge of town where the rents were cheapest. Stanford and Eric travelled during the night to bring down the furniture on the dray, pulled by Tom, the family's horse. Anne and the children arrived on the train the next day. Opposition intensified to the mission and one night a large stone was thrown, striking Harold on the shoulder. The police were called but the offender was never apprehended. The ambulance was also called but apart from bruising, Harold was not injured. Police attended for a few nights to ensure that there were no further incidents. Harold was not intimidated. The stone-throwing incident recalled a story from the first Melbourne camp meeting in Brighton, Melbourne, in January 1894. After Sister White spoke on the second coming of the Sabbath, larrikins began to throw stones at the tents from several directions. The head of camp security discovered that Sister White's tent was the next target. 
a request to the State Police in Melbourne resulted in the arrival of a sturdy Irish constable. Sister White heard the reports of what the disruptive elements planned. She assured her informants that her guardian angel was with her and retired for the night. The constable remained at his post near the tent and soon after midnight, a mysterious light began to form over the tent and a silver angel appeared in the misty light. After watching awestruck for a while and convinced that he was not needed any longer, this constable returned to his police station. His colleagues were curious and his sergeant wanted to know why he had left his post. He told them, I don't think you will believe me, but I'll tell you just the same. His story was believed. The experience was enough to bring this man back to the remaining meetings at the Brighton campground and he fully accepted the Adventist message. He took his family to the Victorian countryside where he lived out his days as a faithful church member. Harold took Raymond with him when he went into Horsham one day. The Commissioner of Railways, Mr Clapp, was responsible for having a big sign put up, an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Harold read it to Raymond. Not long after, Anne was peeling apples and Raymond was begging for slices to eat. After giving Raymond some slices, Anne told him that he had enough. Raymond said to Anne, Well, Daddy said the big notice said an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Anne relented. So Raymond added, And it said, Put all the apples in your belly you can and then you'll be well. Harold celebrated his 50th birthday on December 12, 1927. He had been in denominational employment since 1897 in Christchurch, New Zealand, a period of 30 years. He had answered every call to work that he had received and moved his family constantly to do the work that he felt called to do. His ambition was to preach and teach the gospel. There was no higher calling that he recognised for his life. The Victorian camp meeting convened at Victoria Park in Ballarat from December 20, 1927 to January 1, 1928. Harold took Laura and Winifred to the camp and Pastor Albert Piper was there. Harold and Albert travelled from New Zealand to attend Avondale College in 1899. Albert asked Harold what Winifred was doing and Harold told him that she had been taking shorthand and typing lessons and hoped to get a position in an office. After returning home, Winifred received the letter inviting her to take a position as a stenographer at the Sydney Sanitarium. On the last morning of the Victorian camp meeting in the Ballarat Church, Harold baptised 25 candidates. Despite the intense opposition, he had experienced marvellous success. At the camp meeting, Harold was reappointed to Horsham for 1928 and he returned home encouraged by the results of his labours. He was to be assisted by Nurse Grollemond and Brother G. Jones at a new tent mission in the Horsham area. On May 28, The Signs of the Times published a piece by Harold in the section entitled My Favourite Text. It is noteworthy for giving a clear insight into his inner life and the source of his strength when facing difficulties and opposition. The text that Harold selected was Psalm 2714. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Harold wrote, How often in the conflict, when pressed by the foe, when things seemed to be going wrong, when the work was going hard, when my own soul was bowed down with sin, when it seemed I would never gain the victory over some strong temptation, 
and I have felt that I had grieved my Lord so many times I might as well give up. Those beautiful words have come to my soul, wait on the Lord. I have waited in humility of heart before my God, have poured out my soul before him. I can say with the sweet singer of Israel, he inclined unto me and heard my cry. So I know it pays to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. He only is my rock and salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Then note the second clause in the text. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen thy heart. Praise the Lord. He has never failed me. My heart has been strengthened for the conflict and I have, by his grace, been able to go forward with renewed courage and press the battle to the gates. He giveth power to the faint and to them who have no might he increaseth strength. Because of the encouragement I have received from this text, I would say to every discouraged soul, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. How oft in the conflict when pressed by the foe, I have fled to my refuge and breathed out my woe. How often when trials like sea billows roll, have I hidden in thee, O thou rock of my soul. Harold continued his work into August, but he was becoming very tired, and he realised that it was necessary to take a few weeks rest. Brother Max Grolleman returned to Horsham from Seymour to replace Harold. In late August, the Australasian Union Conference Council decided to request the Victorian Conference to release Harold to connect with the South New South Wales Conference for pastoral work. At the close of the South New South Wales Conference and Camp Meeting, which convened at Lidcombe Park, Sydney, 11 to 21 October 1928, it was confirmed that Harold would engage in pastoral work at Stanmore Church in Sydney. After six years in country Victoria, Harold was returning to city work. 